Depression is a sneaky one. It can be really sneaky and not so obvious. Sometimes we think of it as being obvious, but uh, stick with us here and we're going to dive right into that conversation. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. Okay, so, you know, if we're talking about things being linear, then you would think depression is the very next stage here after bargaining. Um, It is important to know that specifically with depression, it can, it is definitely one of the ones that can really be happening simultaneously while you're feeling all of the other feelings inside of grief um, as you walk this uh, path now um, in this type of parenthood. Um, because your child hasn't changed, but the way you are going to parent has changed tremendously. So we'll uh, start off here with a um, baseline definition of what depression is. Um, and then we will we will stem out the conversation from there um, with many different talking points and angles about, how we've all encountered depression on this journey. Brittany. Oh, you want me to do it? Okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Oh, okay. I didn't memorize that. <laughs> I know, I know. I read I read something to everybody before we push record, guys. And um, yeah, I, I'm just not reading cues today. I apologize. Okay. Um, all right. So after bargaining, our attention moves into the present, right? Empty feelings present themselves and grief enters our lives on a deeper level, deeper than we have ever imagined. This depressive stage feels as though it will last forever. It's important to understand that depression is not a sign of mental illness. It is the appropriate response to a great loss or a big change in our case, um, a traumatic, you know, shift in our lives. Um, We can withdraw from life left in a fog of intense sadness, wondering perhaps if there's any point in going on. Uh, Depression after uh, a diagnosis um, is too often seen as unnatural, a state to be fixed, something to snap out of. The first question to ask yourself is whether or not the situation you're in is actually depressing. Um... It's a, it, it can be a, a depressing situation, and depression is a normal and appropriate response to the situation we're, we're, we all face, right? Um, to not experience depression um, after a diagnosis or after you're going through these stages of grief, it would be unusual. It's, it's natural and it's appropriate. When a loss fully settles into your soul, uh, the realization that you know life is going to be different from now on is understandably depressing. It's a shift. Um, we as humans, this is my own words, but we as humans, you know, we're not built necessarily for transitions. 
<laughs> I'm certainly not. Uh, we don't always um, handle them the best way, you know, right out of the gate. But um, if grief is a process of healing, then depression is one of the many necessary steps along the way. So, yeah. Yes. So with that being said, it can basically feel shameful to feel and recognize and identify that you're feeling depressed. And, you know, there's sort of this avoidance um, and suppression of like trying to suppress the actual feeling for many um, who start to exhibit that because you, um, there are times where it's not fleeting and having that discernment um, is really imperative and it will and here let this then be our disclaimer as usual is that we are not medical (laughs) professionals and so if you are exhibiting any of these symptoms of depression even if it is something that is minor and you're exploring of whether or not this is something that you're going to be chronically dealing with or if it's going to be reoccurring in any way and or in the very least identifying that you're just kind of in the motion of having this metamorphosis, your grief is, it is a, it is part of the grief again, as I opened it up, you know, you're with, you're going to parent differently. Your child's not changed. You, the parent are going to have to change. So your new life is going to cost you your old one. And that is hard. Um, that is hard. That's the, that's the grief. That's the sticking point, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the, that's the loss that you're experiencing. And I don't think anyone, um, I think that gets misapplied and misinterpreted, you know, and then there's the, you know, martyr moms or martyr parents or whatever, but that's certainly not any of us here in this group. Um, and we definitely don't even like, and we don't want anybody's pity. Um, but it is, it can be useful, you know, it, depression and sadness, it is a useful emotion, just like in the movie Inside Out. Um, I love that movie. You know, all of our emotions are useful. They have a purpose. Um, don't ignore them. And it's just about not having shame to recognize them when we're in the moment. Um Again, it can be something, depression can be sneaky and the behaviors that are portrayed, you know, maybe aren't always the cliche ones that you've heard of, but I would like for all of us to contribute, you know, our experiences with depression on this path, Um, because I don't necessarily think it's all been like just the byproduct of the diagnosis, um, or actually like now being this type of parent or our child being autistic, I think there's been, there's some co-occurring things, um, that may also make us more predisposed, or I know in my case made me more predisposed, um, to being depressed, um, more chronically or on a reoccurring basis versus just that, like, little time spot, but, um, but I want to hear all the different experiences from all of you, whoever would like to go first. (laughs) Well, uh, well, while everyone's thinking, I, 
I do want to say that, yeah, it, it's it is a tricky. It's tricky because it you can kind of hamster wheel right or just get stuck in a loop um, of you're you're depressed or you're sad you're very sad about whatever stage you're you are at with your child and in your relationship with that child or the diagnosis or whatever it is and then you feel guilty about being sad and then you feel sad again and it just they just kind of like layer on top of each other and it's hard to dig yourself out of that right and i guess that's what you, i i uh were you were saying at the beginning with with the guilt that can be associated with it right because mm-hmm. it can just pile on and then spiral you down even further. Right. Um, Right. When everybody's just expecting you to like pull yourself up by your bootstraps and move on and you don't have time to be sad. You don't have, you know, you gotta, you know, you're the leader of this pack. You're the steward, you're stewarding this ship, you know, you're, um, right. You're directing and it's, you feel like you're also not have permission to have yeah. that time, that space, um, to feel those things in any point or any capacity. And there's many things about it to, that can cause and, and, and impact and create depression, whether it's, if you're, if it's impacted your family financially, it's your socioeconomics, if it's impacted your family, your marriage, your relationships, your friendships with other people and family members, um, there's all kinds of ways in which, again, those types of moments can make, can compound and make it feel even more heavy and more sad and more yeah. depressed. So this is such a lighthearted conversation um, <laughs> and very sexy because depression is so sexy. Um, so I, I will say that when I am depressed, as I work through these stages, I I, I do not consider myself, um, to be clinically depressed, you know, naturally, or I don't, I don't know the right terms. I'm probably saying it wrong, but I don't have a diagnosis of depression in my life. Um, it comes with the grief of this autism journey and the different stages I work through with my two children. And there are depressive times, I guess, or or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not stages, but like seasons. 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 Thank yeah. you. Seasons. Shannon yes. is our seasons girl. What season yes. are we in now? Mm-hmm. It's cloudy with so, a chance yeah. of meatballs. <laughs> meatballs. <laughs> it's too early for meatballs. But yeah, uh, early for meatballs. <laughs> I'll remember that. <laughs> but yeah, but seasons. Yes, I I can have. I think we all can have. Everyone does have depressive seasons, and I find that what I do is I tend to mask it with keeping myself busy to the point of exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Because my worth is entangled in my productivity, and you're <laughs> distracting. Have, you're you're using and I'm it distracting like myself. Yeah, and I'm being productive, and that makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm doing something. So mm-hmm. then, you know, it it kind of puts a nice little layer on top of the depression and makes it look pretty. Getting some dopamine, just sprinkle yeah. that on there. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's how just sprinkling it on like sprinkles. Yeah. I, everything's like food related. I don't know why. Right. Yeah, now, we all yes. must be really hungry. I'm just saying <laughs> I am a little hungry, but um, that's, that's what I do. And, um, it's difficult to realize I'm doing that sometimes because there's always something to do. There's always things mm-hmm. to keep you busy. Uh, I think I'm kids. guilty of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got a, I've got a small business. I run out of my home. I've got four kids. They all have extracurricular things. I've got a husband and a house that constantly needs something fixed or cleaned or, you know, whatever. And there, there's my, I have friends and family and, there's always something to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. If you slow down and you have to be still, you got to sit in it and be with it. I hate it. that. I hate that. I know. You this can't, is a real problem for me. You can't. There are well, no shortcuts. You got, there's no way around. The only way is through. Well, and can we <laughs> also talk about, can we also talk about, though, how because we are all so busy, how hard it is sometimes to process through that depression because we don't have time. To process. And I think that that is one thing with me is like, I have never been like a depressed person. I genuinely have always tended to lean towards optimism. It's just like, that's just my personality. It's just the way that I'm made. But my depression, I feel like I manifest it in overwhelm and stress. Like I know when I reach certain points of overwhelm and stress that there is likely more going on behind the scenes. And that's sort of like my outward, the way that I project it outward. Um, And it's just that feeling of exhaustion of, is this ever going to end? Like is every day going to feel this overwhelming and this stressful? So I don't usually, like I am not, someone who like stays locked in their bedroom and is overcome with feelings when I'm in that depressive mood, like I just feel constantly overwhelmed. And I, I just think I that's think the way that's very similar it. to what I do. Yeah. I, I resonate with what you're saying. Yeah. 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 That is definitely one of the sneaky ways that it shows up. You know, I get mm-hmm. angry and short tempered um, mm-hmm. or something that, really has good intentions, but is not being delivered well is really, I'm high. My, my sensitivity is even much higher. And when I am, when it is that heightened, I know I need to take a step back. Um, sometimes, I mean, I will literally, I will go into shutdown, but it's not like shut down. Like I can't go out a you know, get out of bed. It shut down is I refuse to do anything now. I'm like, mm, so sad or depressed. I'm just like, yep, we're just not going to do anything. Cause, mm-hmm. um, because it's more to deal with, right? Like, yeah. Or it's just like, again, you're just so overwhelmed by what is all of the things that you want to do. And then you're just more mad that you can't get it all done. So if I can't do it all and this X amount of time, then I'm not doing it at all. And that's not really helpful either. Um, But, you know, it is, I have, and I can go into this arena, you know, of the conversation. Um, It's something that's not, I've never, I've never been 
what I would say chronically depressed. Um, I've had depression in my life before or, um, and it was on a much smaller scale, but because I, I did, I feel like it made me more predisposed, um, to becoming, having more depressive, um, cycles. Um, again, depending on where we are in life, the circumstances, season, whatever it's. And so I was a couple years ago, I had to get back on, um, an antidepressant, anti-anxiety med. And, um, then it ended up that it wasn't working anymore, or I should say it wasn't behaving. It was behaving badly. And I was starting to have side effects, um, well long after the fact, which was strange and not on my radar because you always are like, well, you expect those side effects to kind of happen, you know, onset of taking the medication, not after you've been taking it for a while. So let that be word to the wise. Um, but I knew that in order for me, it's like part of my endurance plan. I mean, this, my life is going to have a certain threshold of stress at any given moment. Like there is a certain level of stress in which we are always going to be operating at. And at any given time, it can increase. And I know that it's one way I need to do to help regulate and manage myself because I can't be, I couldn't be in a position of, of I'm, I'm the main advocate. I'm the main stewarding, stewarding this ship. Um, Oh, we're having a hard time here. Not me, my son. Um, and, uh, I knew that, and it was almost, I mean, it wasn't a shortcut. It's just, it is a need. Um, it's just something that I know I, one way I need to manage it. And I also do therapy as well. Um, I do equine therapy. And in fact, tomorrow starts my, um, psychotherapy assisted equine sessions. So, um, you know, it's just a part of, of maintenance for me, but it wasn't like, I'm not always depressed. I'm not always sad. Um, and there's times where, again, periods that I just didn't need anything at all. Um, but it's okay to need it. You know, talk about like make, minimizing the stigma around how to support yourself if you are struggling more chronically or regularly with depression. Because there are different forms of it. And it mm -hmm. is important to talk about what talk about what those look like. Um, because there's many different things that could be impacting that. So Tosh, what about you? Yes. <clears throat> I'm on the other side of the coin. Again, <laughs> I have dealt with clinical depression since I was 12. <clears throat> so um, it is not something that is new to me. And um, yes, yeah, so I think... Um, just dealing with that since since being a uh, young teenager, um, 
you know, I, I, I'm aware of when it comes up. I, I was aware, you know, when, um, going through the, the loss of Jameson and how it, it was super emphasized, you know, just, I, I had the tools. I had the, I've had the tools in my bag. I've, I've had the, the capability of, um, knowing and, and seeing and feeling and, being able to uh, take the steps to deal with it. But I would say a good, um, I don't know, probably two, two and a half years after Jack's diagnosis, um, I had not processed through the trauma of of the loss of Jameson. I had not processed through the trauma of um, Jack's diagnosis and I hit rock bottom. Yeah. So, um, and 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 it was just, you know, there there what I couldn't there I couldn't pinpoint one thing. There wasn't a feeling of well, it's A, B, C, and D that are making me have these emotions. I just was at the point where I just didn't want to live anymore. I just didn't want to live, and I couldn't tell you why. I couldn't tell you whatever. I just was in chaos and turmoil in my mind. So and t- Tosh, I have a question. Um, when you're in that state, I have I have I have friends who have a similar kind of story that you do, or family members um, with mm-hmm. e- with you know extreme loss, especially of a child. Um, and th- they they talk about a numbing. Is that mm-hmm. part of it for you too? Is there like a a numbing of feeling, like you just can't feel anything at times? Yeah, is I that- I mean that you know that's the that is the you know, vast difference of, I think that, that people don't, that don't deal with clinical depression, people that, um, you don't, you don't reckon, maybe recognize that there's not necessarily this like, oh, I'm sad because of this, you know? Yeah. "Yeah, I'm sad because my child died. Yes. I'm sad because, um, my child was diagnosed with autism and I, this life that we thought we were having is not that. And, and it's hard and all of the things, you know, it, there's, not necessarily anything that you can pinpoint it to. It's just a feeling of of numbness, a feeling of yeah. not wanting to go on, even though you have these things. You have these people that you love. You have, I mean, when I was at this pivotal point where I just wanted to not be here anymore, I was like one of the top people on my on my sales team. Um I was killing it. I was a stay-at-home yeah. mom. I was killing it. I was doing incredible and I had no will to live. None. Yeah. And 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 it was because I I you know, I have like I said I've I've been clinically diagnosed with you know, quote unquote chronic depression with with now that I know BPD and um other things that, you know, side diagnosis that manifest to make the the depression even worse. Um but you know, I I I couldn't tell you. And it, and it wasn't, a, and it's not necessarily always a case of, you know, I can't, you can't get out of bed. You can't do things. It's a lot of times quite the opposite where you are like you, Brittany, where you're putting all of these things and you're doing all of these things to kind of just it. <laughs> to, to deny what is really happening inside, you know, yeah. highly um, functioning on the outside. You're highly functioning yeah. on the outside, but, be, but it's because you are, you know, you're doing everything Grammy. you can to steer away from that, that, those feelings that you can't even necessarily understand why you're feeling this way, you know, and yeah. again, a lot of that can, tr- can stem from, um, you know, from trauma, you know, multiple traumas or, tra- or a trauma that you've just never 
dealt with. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's like that. That's why I want to to anybody out there who's listening. You know, if if this is you, if you are somebody who's dealt with depression and chronic depression before you even had your child, or before you even started walking through this journey of of your child's diagnosis, um, it, it is something that you've you've got to be aware of. And it's something that, um, that even if you don't feel like you're in that kind of quote unquote season that you, that it's a good thing just to, to find somebody to talk to. And I'm, and I'm specifically speaking of a professional, um, because it, it does, it can happen fast. And, and, um, you know, again, like we always talk about that slippery slope, it's, you know, you're creeping up to the top and then all of a sudden you're on a, freaking slip and slide and you're spinning out of control. So, um, to, not to get back serious again. I mean, yes, I am being serious, but you know, it's and not to be want, 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 but, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it's fast and furious and it can be very scary. You know, it can be very scary to not have that understanding of, you know, of why you feel that way of why you're having these emotions of, you know, yeah. Or thoughts. Yeah. So and why and why I just saw yesterday a post and it was there's going to be like some type of forum because we've had all of these very important um uh, iconic uh celebrity people who have you know killed themselves from being yeah. depressed like Robin Williams. That's a that's a perfect Miss, example. Miss Universe, um, mm-hmm. Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, yes. um, all of those figures, you know, nobody ever suspected them in that manner. Um, mm-hmm. They were all mm-hmm. highly successful and it mm-hmm. looked like they had this know, yeah, they were great life coping mm-hmm. well and mm-hmm. they were struggling um, and and I will say too, just really quickly, Jean, a, a lot of the um, coping mechanisms that we use, any of us who have dealt with with you know a chronic condition like that, is substance abuse. You know, so an, another thing just to kind of keep tabs layer. on it with yourself if you if you are finding yourself where you're feeling like you're you know needing to drink more or um to to again numb those feelings of the hard that you're living in um so yeah that's a good point thank you mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah um do we have before we close out too before we well and we have more to talk about but we need to make sure that we mention um like the suicide prevention hotline and, and all that yes. stuff. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say then circling back to like, you know, where our sadness and depression can be helpful is I feel like it's, it's you embracing the facts, embracing the realities Mm-hmm. of of your life and you know and on and obviously also sharing the space with the joys that you're also having in the world like just because 
you know, we're feeling X amount of, you know, way doesn't also mean that we're not also feeling this way or that way, you know, happy and excited or hopeful. Um, It's not, it's at times it can be all consuming. It's like you're measuring how consuming is it in these durations of time? Is it more, is it more fleeting? Is it temporary? Mm -hmm. Um, And examining it from that angle. But I can say that for sure, my depression around it was helpful for me in coming to my acceptance of this is your life now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like this is your life now. Um, but then it cycled back over to, well, now I'm angry that the rest of the world doesn't realize this is my life mm-hmm. now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I, I would say that like a, a lot of those kind of coincide with each other, you know, the anger part of um, the little things that come up, right? Like being angry that our child's educational scores are not where, you know, the world says they should be or whatever. And then that leads us to be angry. And then we're depressed because we feel like we're doing something wrong or we're not being the good parent or doing all the right things. Um, um, and I would say early on or, or you know, before it would lead me to more of that depression where is now it's like my fuel to, okay, what can I, what can I do to advocate more or what can I do depending on the situation, you know, or what can I do to, um, see that I'm internally struggling with this, you know, that isn't necessarily anything that I can control and how can I, how can I move out of this space, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's definitely how you're going to work through it and not around it. Um, I there is that. no working around I, it. I, 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 right. But everybody tries, you know, it's like, we all try you know, the steps. Sure. What's the mm. shortcut here? Um, yeah. but there is no shortcut. Um, I learned that years ago doing acupuncture and it did help me process a lot of things. Um, because before walking this path, I definitely experienced other significant, losses in my life that had a real big impact that I needed to process and walk through, um, and have a understanding of it. And, uh, mm. those do reinforce your tree trunk there. You know, why you may feel like you're breaking, you need to break the break, the break, the breakthrough comes from the breakdown. Um, so you kind of need to allow yourself the, the breakdown space, um, to have that, that moment. Um, and that is where I feel like it is helpful. And it's just stigmatized as this very bad thing, or you're less than, or you're not good enough, or you're trash. Now you're throwaway. You're not, you're not a productive part of society. Um, it can funnel, you know, a storm of all of those kinds of, of feelings that obviously revolve around shame, but it doesn't have to be that way. And, um, I think that it's okay again to say that you're having a hard day or having a bad day. Um, it's important to recognize and call it out when you see it, just like we talked about with bargaining and, and all of the other things is to identify that this is what is going on with you. And like if bargaining's girlfriend is 
denial, then um, depression's like steady girlfriend, boyfriend is anger. Um, (laughs) I feel like those two um, really pair up very commonly well. Um, Probably for you and I, Jean. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. For sure. You know, Enneagram eights for sure. (laughs) You know, like those, all those types of things definitely, I think, do pair into, you know, your personality type, like Shannon was explaining, like, that's, that's not, that's not really, that that's a, she's not as predisposed. She's probably has a less predisposition just because of what her natural predisposition is. Um, and so those are important things to identify in, in yourself and in others. Um, but it doesn't mean that someone like Shannon isn't experiencing depression mm-hmm. and anger and all of those feelings because she is and she does. Yeah. We yeah. just yeah. can hide it well. And yeah, and I think something to think about too is when you are trying to find that human that you want to talk to about whatever is going on. Um, don't be afraid to ask for what you need. Like what Tosh had mentioned before about Enneagram twos and wanting to be fixers like Tyler, her husband, and I'm also an Enneagram two. Sometimes that means saying like, I need someone to talk to, but I need you to just listen. I don't, I'm not Mm -hmm. in a place for you to fix this for me. I just need to get this out. And then that way, you know, you may not know, like Tosh knows I'm an Enneagram too. So she like knows what she's getting when she comes to me. But unless you and all of your friends are taking Enneagram tests together, you may not know, you know, so you may think your friend's just super annoying and just wants to give you all the advice in the world when like her, like honest, just the way that she functions is to try to fix problems because she cares about you so much. So, um, that's something that I've really had to work on, even in talks with my husband, is not being the fixer, being the one who can just sit and then it'll still come to me. Like, it's like, oh, because I'll get all these ideas about how I want to fix your stuff. But teaching myself how to not share any of that. Right. So, um, yeah. and your best friend. Or share sparingly. One. Yeah. Or an mm. Enneagram nine, like whatever. But don't be afraid to voice what you need, you know, mm-hmm. in that situation, because sometimes we expect people to know what we need in the moment. And I am finding out mm-hmm. as I get older and older that that is not actually the case. So. And I think just my to little. piggyback on that, I think that's why it's so important to to look into that kind of stuff. It doesn't necessarily have to be an Enneagram test. We we like those ones personally, but to learn more about yourself and how you process things and whatever test or whatever personality thing you want to do, to know how you react to things and how you process things. And maybe those who are really close to you around you also do those things. It can be very helpful in learning how to communicate better with each other and to be able mm-hmm. to find those those people who are going to help you or give you what you need in those moments, um, depressive or not, you know, um, and you'll know who can better help you and vice versa. You are going to be able to help certain people more with your personality and the way you process things better as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I, Jean, I really wanted to, um, emphasize one thing you said about how the breakdown can 
lead to the breakthrough. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. And that's something, uh, you know, everyone has depressive seasons or states. Some people have um, clinical or chronic depression in their lives. Uh, But but there are stages where it, it just is just so important to realize that that that's you don't have to stay there, right? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not where we have to be. Like you're here now, and that's just how it is. Accept it. That's not what acceptance is necessarily. Um, it doesn't mean we're we're never going to be sad again, but um, or, or we're even not going to be depressed again. We will, but uh, but it it takes you to a place, at least for me, I'm just speaking for myself. It can take me to a place where I am receptive. Mm-hmm. I am, I am, I, I have broken down enough and I have worked through these other stages in whatever order I've worked through them. And I've gotten to a place of vulnerability where I am open and receptive. And those suggestions and those thoughts and feelings, whether they come from my relationship with God or my spouse or my friends here or a family member or whoever it is, or just my own epiphany that comes to my head, Mm -hmm. um, I am willing to examine it because I am in a place where I can receive that information and be open to it. And I think that's the beauty of getting there and being in that state. Um, now it's a hard place to be. I'm not saying it's easy, but if you get down there far enough, that's that's what can become of it. And it doesn't automatically change everything and make everything perfect. I'm not saying that because you have this idea or someone suggests something to you. You have a Shannon in your life and she says something and it's like, oh, this is it. This is what's going to change it all. No, but it's but it's <laughs> a start, right? It's a piece. It's and it's going to happen over and over and over again. And um, and we're going to be able to to reach that level of acceptance, which we'll talk about more next time. So, um, and then I can piggyback on that, even give some other yes. ideas that are kind of like tangibles to what it is where you find yourself walking through those moments of even where you want to give up, because sometimes um, you're going to go through things like appeals with the health insurance companies or denials and denied access with schools. And you might be filing grievances or you might be walking the litigious route and doing due process. And these are very, it's it's almost like re-traumatizing every time you even have to go through a step in the process of them. Um, It is for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so knowing that every step along the way, that can cause that. And if those things are going on for longer periods of time, you know, past a certain, you know, month or year or years, you know, those things are going to wear and tear on your, on your life. Um, And there are times where you may feel like, you know what, this is too much. I can't do this anymore. And yes, that cost benefit analysis is, you know, there's the juice worth the squeeze is worth evaluating, but it's almost like those moments where you feel like you want to give up. That is when the breakthrough happens. I had lots of friends that went through, um, any like nursing programs and by their last year, it was always their hardest and they always want to quit 
Like mm-hmm. I have not talked to one nurse who's went through the nursing program who in their last semester has not wanted to quit. And it's like, you're so close to the end, but it's just so much harder at that time. Um, I kind of even look at it that way. It's kind of like, again, you gotta, you gotta go through it. Um, and got to go through all the hard stuff, even the stuff you don't like. Um, and like, there's just nothing sexy about depression. I mean, we tried to make this sexy. I mean, I don't know if I really tried. I don't know if I really gave it a good, <laughs> honest effort. But, um, you know, at least, at least if we succeeded in anything, hopefully we, you know, broke down the stigma of it um, and having these vulnerable and open conversations about how it is all impacted each of our lives in many different capacities. So any other helpful words of advice or wisdom before Edgar passes out in this suit (laughs) on the microphone? (laughs) It just, uh, just know that we understand and and maybe maybe it doesn't feel like we do um but there is someone in your life who does because you're you're not alone this is not something that is unnatural or uncommon in any stretch of the imagination to be depressed for whatever length of time that is even even your 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 whole life um it is natural and it is part of the process and I just, I think that's where people can really um, get stuck. Maybe I don't know if "stuck"s the right word, or or uh, stay there longer. Is is they feel so alone and isolated, and that's what we're trying to do here. We're just trying to make sure that you know that that's not true. Um, mm-hmm. We're we're there with you, and to borrow one of Jean's favorite phrases, you know, sometimes we're just in the trenches, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what, and, and it's okay to be there. Um, mm-hmm. You're not alone. And, and there is, there is hope. There are breakthroughs and, and you can get to a place of acceptance and love and, and a place of, I don't know if contentment's the right word, but acceptance. Yeah. That's peace. probably the best. Peace. Peace. Mm-hmm. Peace. Yeah. Making peace with it. Yeah. Making peace with it. Making peace with it. Yeah. And not shaming yourself. Um, the suicide uh, prevention lifeline number, by the way, um, if anyone you know ever needs it or you need it yourself, is 1-800-273-8255. Um, I know, and if that is not a resource that you want to use, there are other local public entities and nonprofit organizations that um, support uh, those, if you are looking for a safe place to go and you don't feel like you have any safe person in your life, um, know that, that, that is out there. So, um, all right. I think that is it for us today, ladies. (laughs) I think we have squeezed everything out. We could at this current moment, um, regarding this very heavy topic and, um, we love you and mm-hmm. I hope we hope you feel that from our lips to your ears from our microphones. 
as much as powerful, <laughs> as much as possible. Sorry, as much as possible. Hopefully you can feel that transcending through. Um, we love you and thank you for listening to us. So yes. till next time. See you later. See you later. Bye, guys. Bye. Love you guys.